Let's sell liberty and look good doing it with Proud Libertarian. Folks, when we're selling liberty, we have to start things off by peaking interest. And what better way to peak some interest than by rocking some amazing apparel from Proud Libertarian. Personally, I'm a huge fan of their Do Good Recklessly t-shirt, but there's more than t-shirts to find from awesome taxationist theft snapbacks to the killer Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death hoodies. Proud Libertarian has all the libertarian swag you need. And guess what? Brian Nichols Show audience members can rock the latest libertarian swag and save some cash on every single order. All you have to do, use code TBNS at checkout and you'll get 10% off your entire cart at checkout. That's right. Each time you order, use code TBNS and you'll instantly get 10% off your entire order. Listen, I am super excited to have Proud Libertarian here as a sponsor on The Brian Nichols Show. So do me a favor, head over there to Proud Libertarian, place your order today, use code TBNS at checkout, save 10% on your order and help support libertarian entrepreneurs today. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Well, folks, we're halfway through the week. It feels like, uh, hey, the world's kind of getting back to normal. I mean, I... I think it's kind of getting back to normal. And hey, if you're joining us here on today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show, well, number one, hi, thank you for joining us. But number two, you're going to hear uh, a story. Well, not really a story. It's more of an overview of uh, uh, one of the governors in the United States who has been helping get things back to normal pretty much before any other governor. And that is one Governor Ron DeSantis. And today I'm joined here on The Brian Nichols Show by one Anna Ziegler. Now, Anna is a contributor over at The Federalist and has been doing a lot of great work uh, digging not only into uh, great articles and stories of the day, but uh, focusing on some of these candidates and specifically, uh, in this case, one Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Let's kind of learn who Governor DeSantis is and specifically looking at his COVID response. What would that look like from a national perspective? I mean, would it help ascend him to a higher role? Well, Anna digs into that and more on today's episode. So without further ado, on to the show. Anna Ziegler here on The Brian Nichols Show. Good evening. It's good to be here. Great to have you, Anna. Thank you so much for uh, for joining the program. And uh, thank you. I will start off for all the work that you're doing uh, in terms of going ahead and, and writing uh, and, and getting people aware of what's happening out there uh, in terms of, well, number one, uh, conservative thought. <laughs> uh, and that this show is is much, much more in the, uh, the, the world of, of, you know, libertarian thought and so forth. However, with that being said, um, we do have a lot of conservative folks who listen to the show. So I'm sure most will recognize your work over at the Federalist and so forth. So here, how about this? Let's start off as a quick introduction. Anna Ziegler, who are you and what kind of got you on your political journey? Oh, wow. Um, I am really, I'm just a mom who lives in Louisiana. Um, I, I have written my whole life just in journals and I, I was an English major and I kind of thought that I would just teach English um, and that would sort of be my career. Uh, I ended up wanting to get a master's and I was tired of literature so I got a master's in communication and I focused a lot on 
uh, PR and mass communication, mm. which was just fascinating to me at the time. And this was right around the time that George W. Bush was up for reelection. And I, I had voted for him um, the first time I was eligible to do so in 2000. Um, and of course, the election of 2000 was a, just a, a mess. And I really started to pay attention to things then. And, um, and so the, the taking the media communications classes and, of course, you know, all of my professors, even here in Louisiana, were to the left of me. Pretty much, I mean, everybody's to the left of me, except maybe <laughs> you. Um, it was just fascinating. I had never been in that type of environment before with other people who wanted to discuss politics and the media. And I just loved it. Um, I just genuinely loved the classes. I loved the writing. Um, I actually, I wrote a book several years ago that's just fiction. And the, the a lady who has become my friend now who edited it for me, she commented one day, I was ranting on Facebook about something. And she said, you need to type your thoughts out and send this like to the Federalist or somebody. And that had never occurred to me. Um, I had a grandfather who was famous for his letters to the editor of our local paper, and I just, it had never occurred to me to do more than rant on Facebook. <laughs> and so I, I had a couple of things published with the Federalists, and then last spring I saw, I just happened to be on Twitter, which is where I spend way too much of my time, and I saw that Eric Erickson was looking for a couple of additional writers um, at the Resurgent, and so I wrote for them for a few months and then he sold uh the resurgent to the first um and so pretty much anything that i i when the mood strikes me these days that's that's basically where i've been publishing all of it um and i actually have a, a piece that is written and is ready to go it's not up yet on um on ron DeSantis. um it's i've kind of been myself from writing about him because i'm just i i i love him i'm a huge fan uh, but I'm trying to pace myself and, um, you know, he's, it's, it's strange to me and it goes back to the whole, you know, the mass media and what people pay attention to and what people you just, I, I'll, I'll post a picture of him sometimes on Twitter and it just, it's fascinating to me. Somebody in the comments will ask, well, who is that? <laughs> Say, what, uh, where do you live? What planet are you on? But there are, there are people, you know, and I feel like I talk about him too much. But, you know, or I talk about other issues too much, but there are so many people that have no idea. Or if they do have an idea, it comes from CNN. Yep. And you cannot do enough work to combat that. Well, if I were to take a picture, if I were to take a picture of Ron DeSantis and and bring it to my office and say, who is this? Do you just, you know, random people? I'm going to tell you probably two people will actually know who he is. And and I think to your point, right, that part of it is is probably uh, entirely due to the fact that there is a, a focused effort. And, and I think we saw this really a collaborative effort by the, the corporate media to go after him as we saw um, Florida really kind of responding the best to COVID. And if you were to look at the narrative presented throughout the entirety of 2020, you would think that Florida is leading the United States 
in mass in terms of our, our COVID deaths. But to the contrary, we find Florida actually in the middle of the pack, uh, relatively speaking to the rest of the states. When you consider the fact that Florida has one of the oldest populations in the United States, that's mind boggling. And oh, who happens to be the two worst states? Oh, well, it just happens to be New York and New Jersey, two states which happen to be getting their, their you know, praises sung repeatedly en masse on the, the corporate media throughout all of 2020. I mean, goodness, Andrew Cuomo was on uh, with Chris Cuomo on, on the regular, uh, you know, praising his his great handling of the nursing homes, right, Anna? So then you look at Ron DeSantis and goodness, you had the, the you know, Super Bowl take place here in February and they're saying that Tampa is going to be a super spreader event in a couple of weeks. And now we see the lowest cases across the board in, in quite literally months. So what's going on here? You know, why haven't we heard? I mean, I think the elephant in the room is pretty much self-explanatory why we haven't heard of, of Ron DeSantis, but maybe how about this? Let's start here. Who is Ron DeSantis? And maybe you can help set an introduction to him to uh, the the nation. Who is this guy we should be keeping an eye on as we look at 2024? <laughs> um, yeah, I had never heard of him until he ran for to, to be the governor of Florida a couple of years ago. Um, that was, you know, there was so much going on because that gubernatorial election fell um, on a midterm year. Um, and so ads that he ran I, I found myself on youtube the other night i was watching a couple of them that he when he ran for his, his governor's race and i had just never seen them i paid a little bit of attention to that race because it was one that was in the national news all the time um desantis you know he and and there will be a lot of discussion about to what extent you know did he embrace trump um he certainly didn't shy away from him while campaigning um, I, I think that's to be expected. You know, Trump was at the time the, the, the president. Um, he won Florida in 2016. And for all his his flaws, um, which are not few, he, you know, he had an excellent secretary of education. I think she was one of his best picks. And I think DeSantis won his race in large part because of his push for school choice. And so it's, it, you know, we can criticize him and there will be those who, for various reasons, don't want him to run in 2024 because either because they're Democrats or because they have their guy already picked out, you know, on the GOP side and they are going to throw Trump in his face. Um, you know, to the extent that that Trump did push school choice, I don't see how DeSantis could have avoided that issue at all running for governor in 2018. Um, I'm glad he did. Um, we have discovered since the election that, you know, Florida dodged a bit of a bullet um, in terms of the other options for governor. Um, it's just it's a it's a fascinating story. Just that that uh, governor's election in and of itself. And of course, then so he wins and um, then, you know, COVID hit. Um, and so he already, because he was a GOP governor in what is typically a swing state, because he ran, you know, a, a campaign that was always in the national news, he already had a pretty big red X on his back. And then, um, you know, there were several GOP governors who just at times disappointed me over, over the last year. Um, I really classify myself as a libertarian, but I I certainly, boy, when it comes to shutting shutting down businesses and some of the mess we have seen this last year, 
I mean, you know, that, and that's another reason that DeSantis just really shot up the charts for me is because even in the face of GOP criticism, even when we did not necessarily know what we do now about the virus, he just said, no, there are other things to consider. I'm, you know, I'm not going to take my economy. Um, I mentioned in my, in the, my piece that will be published soon about the, all of the criticism he took over the beaches. You know, and of course, we know now that you're not going to catch COVID on the beach. It's highly unlikely. Um, and and he just he just he made so many right decisions. And the more time that passes, the more validated his decisions are. Yeah. And and his and, and the list of people who just absolutely despise him gets longer and longer and and as this cuomo stuff unfolds it's just it is it is absolutely fascinating in and of itself like i wish i could go back to graduate school and write another paper on the mass media and and trace this past year the coverage of cuomo who they just they just decide like they literally with with no it doesn't matter what is actually happening in reality they just decided in this little play we need a hero, and that's going to be Andrew Cuomo. Bingo. And we need, and we need a villain, and that is Ron DeSantis. And and literally everything else that has happened over this last year, it just gets better and better for DeSantis, and it gets worse and worse for Cuomo. Yep. And of course, a lot of that had to do with the fact that all of this was unfolding in an election year, and and they and DeSantis was is very easy, it's very easy to tie him to Trump. Um. Just unbelievable. I mean, every day it just becomes more and more unbelievable. And the craziest part and, and the most frustrating part, and, and like I mentioned to you a minute ago, I feel like, you know, I, I, I talk about DeSantis a lot and I, and I retweet a lot of articles about him. But if you were to, if I were to ask just some adults in my life who do pay marginal attention to politics, they might not even know who he is. They might not even recognize his picture. And so there, yes, there is an argument to be made that, oh, it's too soon to think about 2024. It's too, you know, he, and he does, he will face reelection before then. And that is certainly what he is focused on. And that's fine. And he, that, that is another area where he, he does a marvelous job. Just he can handle the media. He, he does not shy away from that, but he just keeps his head down. He doesn't go on Twitter rants at three in the morning. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't do any of that, but he will handle his business when he needs to. Yep. And he keeps his head down and he is doing the job that he was elected to do better than truly any other governor I can think of. And there are some others who have done a, a, a fair, a fair job. I would give him like a, a B, but I, I can't think of anybody else who is in DeSantis's range, right? I just really can't. Yeah, and you spoke. And, I was say you spoke to one of the things. And I didn't mean to interrupt, but you, one of the things you uh, you mentioned was, you know, in in some cases, what DeSantis did versus Cuomo. And I would actually say, well, let's take it a step further. It's actually more so what DeSantis didn't do, right? When he decided not to take action, yes. and I think, and this is where we're seeing a lot of people right now, especially when we're starting to figure out, like, what, like, how to handle COVID, like vaccines here. We're seeing cases absolutely plummet. There's no, like, there, there, we know real life is around the corner. Like, everybody can feel it. Like, as soon as pretty much spring yeah. is here, it's done. I, I, I mean, I'm 
I, that's my gut feeling, right? So yeah. we're seeing this kind of last grasp of control. And I think if you were to point to, well, where's that last grasp of control coming from? It's coming from more of these, these, you know, Democratic governors. And I, I'm, you know, hailing here in Philadelphia where we still have some you know, pretty intense lockdowns. And it's like, well, you know, the restaurant capacity is still, you know, I think it's like mm-hmm. half capacity or a quarter capacity. So like, like little things like that, like it's, yeah. you're seeing real damage to local businesses that, a lot of people, I think, are starting to now wake up to saying, oh, this is like really going to impact us for the long haul, not in a good way. And now yeah. we can look to governors like DeSantis and say, well, let's look at the blueprint. What what did Governor DeSantis do that was so successful? So I will ask you that. What would you say are some of the top, you know, let's say top three things that Governor DeSantis um, either did or in some cases did not do that put uh, Florida in a yeah. good position uh, when handling COVID? Yeah, I think your framing is, is spot on it is and and the there was an nbc article a piece that came out last week i think on the 18th and that actually angered me so much that's why it prompted me to sit down and, and write what i just finished writing today um where they they are still doggedly insisting that he they frame it as him being slow to respond and what that essentially means is you know and, and so much of what people did do was just to be on the news so that they could say something. Is it logical? Does it make sense? What is the purpose of it? Nobody bothered to answer those questions, except in saying, you know, somebody like DeSantis, who said when, when the whole world, you know, was doing the opposite, he said no. You know, he did very temporarily, I believe, close beaches. But by April, I mean, it was early on in this thing, they were, he opened them again. Um, I remember all, there's a, a plethora of articles just, you know, beating him over the fact that he reopened the beaches for spring break. Um, and, you know, if you're in Florida, or you know, if you know any, anything about Florida, I mean, that's their, that's, mu- that's so much money for them. You know, the, the tourists and just, it's it's in the restaurants to fill up when you have spring breakers there the bars it that's you look at new york breaks my heart it really breaks my heart i would never live there but i have been there several times and i would like to take my kids one day but you know to see things on broadway to go to famous restaurants some of which are now closed forever because you know the museums and just the the culture you can't you just cannot shut that down. You cannot, sh- and it's, and I, I, I love <laughs> Jesse Kelly, and I just think he's, he's been on this front since the beginning. And he was right about all of this stuff. You cannot just pause it. And DeSantis, I don't know if he ever said this verbally, if he phrased it this way, but he, he seemed to understand that. So his, his glory, I guess, thus far was slow to, you know, to, to do things and to make decisions because everybody else panicked. And, and I understand the panic. I mean, this is unlike anything any of us have ever seen or dealt with, and hopefully we never deal with it again. And I can't imagine being a governor in a situation like that. Um, even Trump, you know, and oh, I don't want to, I really don't want to talk about Trump, but no matter who had been the president, Boy, you know, I just, I don't want to be in those shoes, but 
it's it's in what we've seen with so many experts is that they they look at it through one lens and DeSantis never did that he looked at it from every possible angle economically you know mental health physical health you know all of these people closing gyms when we're facing something that that harms the obese more you know it just it, there was no logic to any of it yeah and so i i guess i'm i don't know that i've answered your question well i just i think more than anything it's what he did not do um he didn't cave he didn't panic and i suspect there were a lot even in the gop who were on the phone with him at times or sending him little emails being like hey you're making the rest of us look really bad well, guess what? He did make you look bad because you panicked and you tanked your economy. You know, we are struggling in Louisiana. Of course, we have a Democratic governor who who shut us down for a while. Um, and boy, we need oil and gas money. And guess what comes on the heels of the COVID shutdowns? Oh, Biden is elected and now he shut down the pipeline. And I mean, it, it'll take us years and years to recover from this. It is it is devastating to a state like mine and to several others. And, you know, so we could have been in a better position economically when Biden was elected and came in with his executive orders and, you know, that's hurting the oil and gas industry. But we weren't because our governor shut shut us down for so many months. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's so it is so sad just to drive around town and see restaurant after restaurant. And, you know, I'll see people on Facebook and they complain about, oh, is such and such not going to open back up? And I want to say, no. Do you remember back in March when you were on Facebook panicking and yelling about everything and yep. screaming about masks? Things, you cannot just shut things down. And it's not like it doesn't work that way. It's not a switch that you flip. And Ron DeSantis, more than anyone else, literally, that I can think of in, in this country, he, he understands that. Yeah, I don't know if he has some. I don't know if he has some good advisors. I do think he's a very intelligent man, but he he figured it out. Maybe it was a gamble. It, I mean, in part it was, but that's what you do. That is the that is the role that you take on when you run to be the executive of a state of a sovereign state. And I, I, he, I mean, he he took a gamble and it has paid off. And and a lot of people don't realize it yet. And I think as as time goes on. He's gonna look better and better. Well, and you say gamble. I don't even know if it's necessarily a gamble, but more so principles, right? Because if we started, and a lot of us back in April of last year started off the conversation by saying, "No, you can't lock down like society. You can't, to your point, yeah. just put a big gigantic pause button on society." To your point, it doesn't work that way. And to my greater libertarian community, I say, why, why was this not the number one issue throughout all of 2020? Because to your point, yeah. this was impacting everyone. I mean, I see, you know, very close friends to your point, right? Who will go on social media and be like, oh no, this restaurant's closed. I'm like, yes, you're, yeah. yes, it is closed forever. Because to your point, you reacted in this, you know, Protect me, mommy, daddy, nanny, government, please save me from yeah. myself. Save me from the evil virus. I can't make decisions on my own to not go out and interact with people. And and that is yeah. something that it was so it was so obvious and so apparent. Right. And and I think this is why I, I mean, 
I'm a libertarian, but I look at somebody like a Ron DeSantis and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I would absolutely consider him because he was right on probably one of the most important issues of 2020. And that, that matters. Yeah. That absolutely matters. That's a, it's, you make an interesting point because I, I said, you know, he, he, it was a gamble and I wonder, and I don't know if anyone would ever actually ask him this, um, but you know, he, his, we know now that lockdowns are, they don't kill any, I mean, they don't, they don't, they only kill the economy. They, that's, that is all that they do. They don't really stop the virus. Um, it is a virus. I mean, that's what the, I kept saying that over and over again from the beginning. It's like people just threw out everything they ever knew about humanity and economics and viruses and how all of these things work. And really, because they panic and, and, and who can blame them with, you know, the hysteria that the, that the media was in. But even if Florida's numbers, you know, their death toll, even if it looked worse, would you still, Governor DeSantis, have made the same decisions in, in hindsight? And because like you said, it is, it was, it was a gamble, but even if he had known the outcome was a little different, you know, I hope and I pray that he made those decisions on principle because it is, he understands that it is not, that it's not his, he can't do that. You know, you just, that's what I've said so many times this last year. You watch the government doing things that, no, you can't do that, but they do. And they did. And they get away with it because with rare exceptions, people just sit home with their mask on, you know, and they, they're happy about it until they realize, you know, the world around them outside their house where they think they're not going to get the virus is totally stopped and the economy's in the toilet. And guess what? The virus is still here because it's a virus. <laughs> how about that? Well, how about this? Let's, as we get ready to, uh, to wrap up, let's kind of focus on if we're going to make a foil, right, in 2024. What would you say are, are some of the main things as we're looking at Biden? And, and we're, granted, we're only like, what, a month now as we're recording here um, into a, a truly into a Biden administration. So, you know, looking at either what has been uh, already put in place or what has been put on the table, what are the, the top things that we should be looking to as, you know, the, the counter um, in, from the, the, the right, whether it's the libertarians or conservatives, Republicans out there, whoever it may be, um, what are the main issues that you see that the Biden administration is going to be raising up that we should be aware of and, and prepared to, uh, to go to battle for? Hmm. Um, I don't know. The things that, of course, everybody thinks that their own interests are the most important things and they just assume everybody else shares those interests. Um, you know, I see where I, I really pay attention to libertarians and, and I and I love their ideas is, is you know, the, the the economy, the debt. Um, and we've had a lot of these discussions as we have these horrible fights over the, the stimulus and the and the covid relief checks and this ridiculous idea that we can just pay people to sit at home. Um, I had a memory on Facebook the other day and I was uh, I met Senator John Kennedy several years ago, and I, I made some comment about wanting to talk to him about the debt. And at that time, it was $22 trillion. Wow. And that was just a few years ago. So now it is it is sitting at $27 trillion. That's $5 trillion. Wow. In just in, in literally, I think, two or three years. Um, and of course, everybody says you can't, you're not going to win an election talking about cutting spending because, you know, so... 
I don't know. I don't know where that is. That is a huge issue for me. It, and I, and I think it is an issue for other people as well. Um, and they just, other people on the right, that is, and they just set it aside because they feel like, well, we need to win this election. And this is the most important thing right now. But we yep. are in this constant state of emergency. Everything is an emergency, a lot of them of our own making. And so we have to spend money for this. We have to send the COVID check. This is an emergency. You know, we're going to we are going to find ourselves in an actual emergency. Yes. And we're not going to be able to just cut a check to get out of it. And I don't understand why why people don't understand. I don't have a degree in economics. This isn't anything that's hard to understand. So at some point, and I know people say it's not a winning issue, and I don't know to what extent it's but but I, Biden is about to blow everything out of the water. And I mean, and what are what is the GOP going to say after 4 years of Trump, you know? I mean, we we you just so it, the, the the spending is is one of my big issues, and and I guess what you would call the culture war, is is the, is the other big issue, and and I think that is one thing that that led to Trump, because the GOP ignored it for so many years, and you know they just they were focused on defense spending or and on and tax cuts and you know you just and and I don't. I don't understand. You know, I think it takes all types. I think if we say we have a big tent, then we should have a big tent. I'm not somebody who spends all day on Twitter hating Mitch McConnell. I mean, he is. Thank goodness. He is, he is just. I mean, he has done some good. Cocaine, Mitch. Know? He just. I mean, Merrick Garland would. My goodness, did you see Garland's hearing? We could have had him on the Supreme Court. You know, and so. Mitch, he is just the quintessential senator. He lo- I think he loves the Senate. He loves the rules. He loves the procedures. He understands a lot of things. I think that a lot of other senators don't understand or pay attention to or worry about. So I do think that it takes all types. But you cannot have a party of only Mitch McConnell's or only Liz Cheney's. And we had this horrible Liz Cheney ordeal recently. And I just every day I wanted to say, look, upset with Liz Cheney is not over Trump like she supported Massey's challenger you know how can you say you're a big tent party and you're trying to get rid of Thomas Massey like why can't we have both of them why so anyway and and so Massey is someone who who understands I think obviously the the fact that we we have got to address spending we have got to address it at some point and we cannot be a party that pushes out the Rand Pauls and the Massey. And, you know, and it and it's this whole ridiculous infighting about, you know, who was Trump's best friend and who hated him the most. And I despise it. I despise it so much because we still, you know, who cares if, if Rand Paul had a, you know, went to a rally with Trump. We still need Rand Paul. We still need Massey. And you know what? I don't care. Let the voters of Wyoming deal with Liz Cheney. But we've got to have people who are willing to address the spending, and we've got to have people like Massey, I think, and a few others who are not in Mitch McConnell's lane, and they understand the base and the voters and the fact that you cannot pay lip service for decades to things like abortion. Like, your base actually cares about that. It is one of the most unifying issues on the right, and that, I, that is not going to change anytime soon. And so you you just you're going to end up with Donald Trump if you ignore that long enough. So 
Yep. I don't know. They learned that. They learned that in 2016, didn't they? Surprise, (laughs) surprise. It happens. And and here's, I think, as we're wrapping up here, because people don't realize how quick it can happen. You can go from Mitt Romney in 2012, who was as buttoned up as they come, to, and and I think it was Glenn Beck who, who actually was talking about this, the Bubba effect, where you have the person who got the big stain in his shirt and he says, yeah, I am the slob. So what? That's Trump. And he said, and then he said, they are going to look for that guy because you can't say, you know, Mitt Romney binders full of women guy is, is evil, a fascist. You can't do that. And then say the same thing about Trump and say that they're now equal. It doesn't work that way. And people are starting to, to realize that I think more and more. So it is interesting that more people are waking up. And I think DeSantis is actually a direct result of that kind of waking up to people saying, no, it, it's it's okay to, to vote how you believe. Um, so that being said, I think people are going to be looking to uh, to learn more. So Anna, where can they go ahead and follow you to do just that? Learn more. Well, I am on Twitter um, at, let's see, it's at AJ Ziegler. And that is um, Z-E-I-G-L-E-R. Is, it is the grammatically incorrect spelling. Um, that, <laughs> I should have just kept my maiden name. Um, but anyway, I spend too much time on Twitter. Um, I guess I don't really have much other social media. Um, I did have a parlor account. I hope that doesn't mean I'll end up on a list. But um, Don't worry. I have one, too. If you're on a list, I'm on there with you. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard rumors that it is it is back and running, but I haven't tried to figure that out yet. It so, is. Um, it is. That rumor is true. Is it? Okay. Okay. So I think my handle there is the same, but I'm not even certain. I try to use the same one everywhere. Um, I can't, I'm, I need to limit my social media as it is. (laughs) Well, how about this? We will make sure we include the links to, at the very least, your Twitter and, uh, we'll find your parlor. We'll include it there in the show notes, but also the links to uh, all the work you're doing Federalist and at first Anna Ziegler. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing. And thank you for joining us here on the Brian Nichols show. Thank you. I enjoyed it. When we're talking about living a truly free and independent life, we mean it. And that's exactly what Gary Collins, who is the creator of The Simple Life, set out to accomplish. And now you have a chance to learn all the secrets that Gary has developed over decades of trying it out himself, building these amazing courses, as you can go to thesimplelifenow.com and access three amazing courses. One being the -the off-the-grid master course, two being the how to finance your off-grid home course and three how to find your dream off-grid property course and get an awesome 10% off at checkout by using code tbns10 that's right you too can learn how to live a truly free and independent lifestyle by living off-grid and all these amazing courses are delivered to you by yes one gary collins from the simplelifenow.com use code tbns10 at checkout for 10% off your order and start living your free life today Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Anna Ziegler, our great conversation about Ron DeSantis. And if you enjoyed today's episode or if you got some value on uh, today's episode, well, do me a solid. Go ahead, number one, and share today's episode and be sure to go ahead and uh, tag Anna and yours truly. And you can tag me at B Nichols Liberty. You can do that at Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com and Parlor.com. And if you really enjoy the episode, well, also do me a favor, email me, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. Let me know. And hey, 
I'm just going to say it. If you really, really, really like today's episode, or if you kind of like listening to The Brian Nichols Show four times a week, because that's how many episodes you're getting here, folks. You get three episodes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where we have phenomenal conversations with some absolutely incredible folks. And then every Sunday, you're going to be getting a a brand new episode focusing on liberty-oriented candidates and their respective, uh, not only just their respective races, but why are they running? What issues for their local communities are they focusing on and raising up that we can help raise up here on The Brian Nichols Show. So if you really enjoy what you're getting here at The Brian Nichols Show and you get value, I would love to hear it by seeing you head over to Apple Podcasts and give us that awesome five-star rating and review. It is quite literally an act that takes, what, two minutes of your time to go ahead, give a five-star rating, and then just give us a quick review. Why did you listen to The Brian Nichols Show and what value are you getting from the show and why should other folks want to go ahead and, and subscribe. I think it's a great chance to not only explain to folks why you are a member of the audience, but to tell other folks out there, hey, this is what you're missing when you're not subscribing to one of the fastest growing podcasts here in the greatest, greatest? Yeah, I'm going to say it, the greatest liberty movement. I was going to say the greater liberty movement, but hey, the greatest liberty movement, I'm on board with that as well. Speaking of what you can look forward to in in terms of greatness, well, coming up here on Friday, make sure you are hitting subscribe so you're not missing our conversation with Nathan McGrath. He is the head of the Fairness Center, focusing on protecting public sector employees from those sometimes very corrupt public sector unions. A great conversation to be had and a really important conversation to learn if you are a public sector employee, uh, what you should be doing, what questions you should be asking. And if you ever hear somebody say, don't ask that question, definitely ask that question. So that being said, folks, make sure you hit subscribe. It's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Anna Ziegler. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.